Come on, high five some people. Tell them the king is here. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Man, I'm excited as we continue our series, Kingdom Come, man. We have had so much fun uh, in this first of the year series, uh, Kingdom Come, man. God has done great things already. People making decisions for Jesus, as Pastor JR shared. Uh, first service, someone made a decision. Several people responded uh, to the altar for prayer. Come on, church. Yeah. We're excited about what God is doing. Um, so this summer, we had the opportunity, uh, my whole family, uh, we got invited. There's a church in Texas, uh, the one of the churches that we look up to that we ask for advice. Uh, Pastor Jeff Hackleman, you all know he's preached with us, and um, his whole family came down and preached at all of our campuses. And uh, anyhow, he... Uh, he called and said, hey, we're doing this uh, beach retreat with our staff. Why don't you just come uh, and be a part of our retreat? And I said, man, I, would, I love the sound of the beach. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Glory to God. He said, we're going to go deep sea fishing. I said, well, now I'm sold. Amen. He said, we're going to cover it. I said, I'm really sold. Come on. You know? So we show up, man, and, and we get to go deep sea fishing. I got sick on the ocean. That was awesome. Uh, we had a great time, right? And the waves were rough, y'all. Like, it wasn't just like, like, I'm, I'm from a lake town. Like, and, and when a boat goes by is when you get waves. But other than that, like, anybody from Stockton Lake know what I'm saying? Like, like if, if the boat don't come by, there ain't no waves. You're just playing in lukewarm bathwater. That's what it feels like. And so, like, these waves are rolling in. And literally, y'all, like, the back, uh, the, the backyard of this house was the beach uh, in the Gulf of Mexico. Matter of fact, y'all, check it out. There was an ice cream truck that was on patrol. Come on. Glory to God. He'd go up and down the beach playing that, that clown music that scares all that. Come on, somebody, you know, just going up and down the beach. And my kids were running with dollar bills. They're like, hey! Like at one point, uh, one of them bought something, and their friend didn't make it. So my kid gave their popsicle to someone else. And I said, we're going to get in a car, and we're going to chase that ice cream truck down. We chased them down. Glory to God. Like, it was off the chain for my family, guys. It was amazing, right? So I look, and, and Megan is, is boogie boarding or something uh, crazy, and, and Chloe's out there with her, and I'm watching them, and Megan comes up, and she's frantic. Like, she's looking all over in the ocean, and she's, you know, kind of going underwater, and Chloe's like a, a dolphin. She's diving in and out and trying to get breaths of air, and she's searching, and, I'm, and they're looking, and I'm just, it's peculiar. So I'm just kind of watching. I'm like, what? What is going on in this? What is going on here? Like, uh, what are they looking for? They're, they're definitely searching. And she looks up, and she has this look of sheer tear on her face. She said, I lost it. And I was like, oh, God, not a kid, right? <laughs> like, I've done that, but you're the good parent. You should. <laughs> All the dads said amen. Like, I've been there, but you're the good one. You she said, no, I lost the Oakleys you bought me. <laughs> I looked at it, and, like, I'm pretty good, like, for the most part, you can say something. You might think it's really jacked up, but I've learned to just have a straight face. I'm like, yeah, no big deal. Like, I've had some people, you know, no big deal. And, but apparently, she could see the look on my face. She said, I lost my Oakley's, babe. I'm so sorry. And my, my look gave it away. And she said, she said, what? And I went, they're on your face. <laughs> You're looking through them. Like, <laughs> not on your head. Like, they're on your they're on your, you had him all along. Touch your neighbor and tell him the message title for the week. You had it all along. You had it all along, man. Let's read Luke chapter 20, 12, verses 22 through 24. We're going to read through 34, or at least talk through 24, but we'll read the first couple verses. And, and he said, Jesus speaking, said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, 
Don't worry. Don't be anxious about what you'll eat and what you'll drink, nor about what you'll put on. For life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. Man, they don't sow or reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you even than the birds? See, life has a way, at least for me, like I'm probably only preaching to me and this is the sanctified crowd, uh, but the first service got with me that we got some issues in our life. Like, like we got some problems and, and not all like sin issues. We got those too, but a lot of us have like success issues. Like we want to succeed. And then that cause, like we want our business to, to triumph or we want our, we want our relationship or our children or, or God, please help the chiefs to succeed. And we go through, that's the only time maybe that I'll say that, but nevertheless, like we go through these things where we're struggling, right? Because either of issues or because of goals and desires and stress and we put all this stuff on us, and it starts to cause anxiety. It starts to cause stress. It starts to cause worry. And then we start getting uncomfortable, and we lose sleep. And then we're wondering, now we don't sleep well, and we're hungry, and we can't eat. And so now we're tired, hungry, and we still don't know what to do. Am I talking to anybody in the room? Like, we go through this stuff, man. Like, like Briley this summer was trying to climb a tree. She fell and broke her elbow in half. Yeah, like I was like, well, good, you know? Like, like we're trying to save money, and we go to the dentist, and we had $10,000 worth of dental work. Well, good. <laughs> Am I the only one? <laughs> Your kid's got good teeth. Well, that's not fair. <laughs> like, I'm like, for real, God. Like, I'm trying to do it the right. And all this stress comes to us, and all this anxiety. And I begin to do some research and learn that in the book of Haggai, the prophet Haggai, he lived in 520 B.C. And there were five issues that plagued the people, not that, that plagued the world, but the people during 520 B.C. You ready? Crime. They had crime issues they didn't know for sure what to do with. Immorality. There were immoral issues um, and the perverse issues in the world that they didn't know what to do with. Lack of jobs or income. Is it sounding like 2020, anybody? Like, what are we going to do? We can't pay all of our bills, right? And, and then there was global unrest, wars and rumor of wars. And you know what number five was? Potholes. <laughs> Welcome to Polk County. Come on, somebody. Cedar County, southwest Missouri. Am I right, somebody? Like, legit, that was what they struggled with, these five things. And I begin to think, 2020, yeah, we got crime, immorality, global unrest. We, there's never enough income. And I got stinking potholes everywhere I go. Like, I'm trying to get somewhere in my life. I'm trying to get somewhere with the church. I'm trying to get somewhere with, you know, teach and coach my kids in sports. And I, I've got all these goals. And along the way, there's obstacles that seem to get in the way. Come on, church, who am I talking to? That get in the way of us going where God has called us to go, potholes. It was fascinating to me that the stuff that causes anxiety for us, we feel like we're the first people to ever deal with it. And in 520 BC, God's going, I know I heard it before. God, what are we going to do? I know I heard it. But when I read this, it allowed me to go, wait a minute. If you're not worried, neither should I. If you're not losing sleep over this, not that he sleeps, but if you're not, like God, and I say this all the time, God is not in heaven going, oh God, what am I going to do? There's not enough income. Like, like, that's not a concern for him. So I need to take a step back. That's what Jesus is saying. You need to take a step back and understand it's time to relax because anxiety and worry isn't helping you do anything. You can never worry your way to breakthrough. You worship your way to breakthrough. Come on, church. 
Like we can never, like anxiety isn't helping anything. Worry isn't changing anything. Anybody else turn off the game a couple weeks last week? Just Scroggins. Okay, yeah, a few of us. Like worried it now. And just like with my kids, like when I'm stressing out, Jace was playing a basketball game uh, Friday night, and it was, a, it was a close game. We lost by two with like four seconds left. You know what didn't help? Me yelling and screaming at the ref. I mean, I did it. I, I yelled at him just because he made him. A, <laughs> my worry didn't help my son play any better. It didn't help his team play any better. When Chloe's playing, and I'm, now th- my kids are totally different. Jace, I'm like, hey, D up, kid. Lock him up. Do some work. And he's listening to me. Chloe tries to ignore me. I'm like, hey, Chloe. And she's like, <laughs> I'm like, Chloe. She's like, that ain't my dad. Whose dad is that? Who's Chloe? Like, she, she gets really, <laughs> right? Like, that's real talk. But that's how, like, my worry didn't change the outcome. That's so what he's going, like, I, Jesus is saying, like, guys, I need you to relax just a little bit. Worry is changing nothing. In 25 uh, through 29, he's saying the same thing. He's saying, listen, the, the flowers are taken care of. They're, they're, they're covered. It says he clothes the flowers better than Solomon was, it, was dressed. You know what he's saying? He's saying he'll cover you. And, 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 and I feel like specifically he's speaking to the, to the sin in, in the Garden of Eden when they realized that they were naked. It says in their shame, they hid from God. But he's saying, your shame doesn't scare me because my grace will cover you. Come on, church. Your, your sin and your shame, they don't, want, they don't cause me to back away. Actually, my grace causes me to run to you and cover you even more than, even more than the prophets, even more than like my grace is going to cover you despite you. And the ravens, they don't toil, they don't work, but they're fed, they're taken care of, right? So why then, like he's saying this, anxiety is, is, is covering you and it's, it's wrapping you up and it's in your mind and it's in your heart and stress is overwhelming you and you're just not sure what to do or how to do it. You're going through all this stuff. So why does anxiety have that kind of hold on our life? Real simply put, Anxiety takes hold when your trust is broken with God. Now, not God not trusting you. It's you not trusting God, right? Like, I have a Jeep, and, and I think that God made me and Jeeps to go off-road together. <laughs> we went to this off-road park in southern Missouri, man, and we were like, with a Jeep. I thought we were going to flip, but I didn't even care. I thought that's why there's insurance. You know what I mean? But sometimes that's the way it feels like in my walk with God. I heard it, I heard it this week. They said, I know that Jesus is supposed to take the wheel, but I feel like he's going off road. <laughs> You've been there. Like you're going, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm totally confused. Like I don't know how to do that. And for, for a lot of us, when we start going through that season, whenever like it gets a little bumpy or there's a little turbulence, like, like all of a sudden we try to kick Jesus out the, the, the driver's seat and we get over and we take control. So when life gets hard or when stress comes in, we feel like if we take control, we'll go where we need to go. But really the gospel of the king's dominion, the kingdom of God, coming to earth isn't about taking control it's about letting go of control because when you take control anxiety all of a sudden becomes your pilot but when you lose control direction known as the holy spirit he's the one that gets to direct and guide he's your gps your god positioning system he gets to make sure that where you were called to go the appointed place he has for you you'll get there but we have to let go and that's the hardest thing for so many of us. We struggle to let go. Like I was, uh, 
I had a meeting this week, and, and a pastor from Kansas City that's a friend of mine said, hey, we had this meeting together. How about I fly to Stockton, pick you up in this little plane that you might die in. <laughs> You've been up in a little plane? Glory to God, it was crazy. Anyhow, so we take off. Actually, he missed the runway the first time and came back around and landed the wind, wind gust. And I'm like, I'm getting in a plane with this dude. I don't know if this is smart. I'm <laughs> and, and he let me have the wheel for a little bit or the, whatever it is, the yoke maybe. Uh, is that right? <laughs> From all my experience of flying once <laughs> or twice. And so I'm in the plane and, and, and we go to land uh, back in Stockton. We went to the meeting and he flew me back to Stockton. And the wind is blowing us all over the place. And it was terrifying. You know what I never once tried to do? I never once said, hey, won't you let me land this plane? You know why? You know why I never did that? Because I want to live. <laughs> and he was trained to land in these adverse situations. But for whatever reason, when it comes to my walk with God, I'm like, Jesus, Holy Ghost, get out the way. Won't you let me fly this plane? It's a little turbulent, and I really, so the truth is, if I, if I were to ask the crowd or every Christian in the country, and I would say, do you trust God? We would all unanimously, in one voice, rise up and say, yes, I trust the Lord Most High. But if I were to record your life this week with the decisions you make, often, my, although my mouth says I trust him, my voice betrays my mouth, and my, I'm sorry, my, my life betrays my mouth that says I trust him, and my decisions really insinuate that I don't. Or I don't in every area. So we come into this perplexed situation where I say I trust him. But it's really hard to trust him when I don't know where I'm going. Or when it's going where I don't want it to go. That's what he's saying. He's saying anxiety will come when trust is broken, right? And, and, and whether it's an issue or whether it's, it's goals and success that we're focused on, what happens in our life, uh, we, we, we begin to pursue these things or focus on these things and we start to struggle and struggle and struggle and it gets real turbulent. And then we come to this place, y'all, that we begin to even question our faith. Is God really real? Does God really love me? Can he really do what he says he's going to do? Is he still really a healer? Is he still really a provider? And here's the reality. Listen to me. It's never really a question of faith. It's always a question of focus. Because you get what you're faith for, but you're faith for what you focus on. Isn't that what we always say? Right? Because, because what happens, life starts getting tough, and we start to say to ourselves, you know what? If, and, and this is me. I can't speak for you guys, but I was little growing up. I didn't get bigger until like I, my, we started having kids, and we got pregnant. I gained 25 pounds with each kid. Any other good husband better say amen right now. 15 to 20 with each one of them little things, man. It's crazy. She lost it. I found it. Amen. And so, like, like I, so I was little growing up, though, right? And, and so, like, when it comes to sports, I was never the best player on the floor, but I knew I could outwork better players. And when it comes to sales, I wasn't the best sales guy, but I knew I could outwork better sales guy. And, and when I was, um, oh, about 25, I was playing a lot of basketball, playing with a lot of professional basketball players. Uh, not a lot, but several. And one of them, six foot ten, played for the Mavericks, said, I want to play one-on-one with you and I said you want to you're 6'10 you outweigh me by like a hundred pounds why do you want to play one-on-one -on -one? you know he said he said because I think I can, I can whip you real bad no he didn't say that. He, here's what he said he goes because I know you'll work me 
Right? So like it was, it was a testament to I don't know how to win all the time, but I promise you this, I'm going to outwork anybody I'm playing. So when I became into ministry, I began to think, I don't know, I'm not the best pastor, but I'll outwork people. And when we started growing the church, not we but God, but as the church started growing, I began to say, man, if, if I work two extra hours this week, I wonder what we can do. And if I work one of my days off, I wonder what we can do. And then I worked my day off. And I said, what if I work both my days off? I wonder what we can do for the kingdom of God. And God begin to grow and people were getting saved and healed and delivered and all this stuff and in my mind I was saying if I can work just a little bit more then God will be just a little prouder and if I can work a little bit harder and if I can just add another hour to my work then God will show up even more and unintentionally I was equating my success in relationship with God to how hard I work for him and that's the opposite of the gospel because our righteousness the word says is filthy rags is he proud? You need work ethic? Absolutely. Because you don't work, you don't eat. I'm not, this, this gospel is not saying don't work. He's saying don't make your goal. Don't, don't, don't equate your success to how hard you work. Ultimately, it's all from God. The Lord spoke this little phrase to me. He said, stride, don't strive. Stride, don't strive. And like that began to change my thought process. Because I knew how to work. I knew how to grind. I knew how to go. I knew how to, I knew how, like working 60 hours a week didn't, didn't scare me. But he said, I need you to stop that. And I need you to learn to stride with me or walk in step with me. And I was like, God, this is changing my whole thought process. Look at what Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says in the message version. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out on religion? Are you burned out? He says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover life. Here's what he says. I love this line. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Anybody wore out? I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. What's that next word? And work, walk and work. What would Jesus do? He would walk and work. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Yeah, this is a fascinating concept because he's not saying don't work. He's not saying your work will equal exhaustion. He's saying when you walk with me and when you work with me and when you learn how I do it, all of a sudden your work will equal rest. Your, your walking won't equal tired legs. Your walking, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah uh, uh, 40, I think it is, uh, your walking with me will cause you to rise up on eagle wings. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and will not faint. And then he says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Oh, get rhythm. <laughs> when you get the blue, come on. <laughs> he says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. I was reading this. Oh, keep company with me. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. I was reading this. And it began to change, change my attitude because what he is saying here and what he is saying in Luke is just keep step with me. Gary, come here. Here's what was, here was my life. Come on up here. And then let's go over here. Now go ahead and spin again. Spin. I just want to say how many times you do it. <laughs> Sorry. So this is me and God, right? Jesus in John says this. He says, listen, um, I'm going to send the paraclete or the Holy Spirit to come to you. 
And that word paraclete, or, or um, he says counselor or comforter, that's, he's talking of the Holy Spirit, that word counselor or comforter, the guide unto all truth, means paraclete, and it literally means one that walks alongside. So he says, I'm going to walk alongside you. I know this is awkward, but we're going to be okay. He says, I'm going to walk alongside you. Watch how I do it. Walk with me. Work with me. He says, I'm going to walk alongside you, and when you're about to make a dumb decision, I'm going to stop. And if you'll feel me stop, you stop too. You'll avoid, you'll, you'll avoid distractions and troubles that you would normally walk into. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn to take a real rest. He said, if you'll trust my leadership, if you'll trust my guidance in your life, he says, I'll not lay anything ill-fitting on you. He says, if you'll walk with me, you'll recover a real, uh, real rest. You'll live, how did it end it? Freely and lightly. He says, walk with me. But this is what I did. I was like, come on, Jesus. And Jesus wasn't moving fast enough. Anybody else like to run in the house? I don't mean run for fun. That's dumb. <laughs> let, me, let me clarify. I get in the car and I drive. Amen. He's, I'm saying like, I want to go. And sometimes, like, Jesus ain't moving fast enough for me. The Holy Spirit, he's not, he's not keeping in step with me. So what I unintentionally do is I say, y'all wait there. I'll take care of it. And I go and I start working. I start grinding. And I start hitting it. And I start going after it. And all of a sudden, I get discouraged. I get exhausted. I start to burn out. I get confused. And I start going, God, where are you? And he says, right where you left me. I'm still here. I'm a friend of six closer than a brother. I just ain't gone anywhere. You're mad at me, but you left me. So we have to come back and say, okay. He says, walk with me. Watch how I do it. Learn how I do it, and you will recover. So even your work will re-energize you. Anybody else want some of that? Woo! Yeah. Because my work sometimes is exhausting. He says, no, it doesn't have to be. Watch how I do it. Jesus is saying, thank you, Gary. Let's hear it for Jesus right there, Gary. He's saying, he's saying, listen, you don't have to do it that way. And he goes on in verse 30, and he says, there's a tendency to crave these things. In verse 30, he says, all the nations of the world, they seek. That word seek means to crave. They crave after these things. Uh, they crave after this natural way of doing it, after working hard and after goals, and after all this stuff. He's saying this, right? And God is showing us when you strive to succeed, all it produces is stress, anxiety, and undue pressure. But when we, when we just simply strive to succeed, it brings us peace, comfort, and provision and direction. And in verse 31, I love what he says in verse 31. He says, instead, your, your translation may say, but, but crave, seek means to crave, crave his kingdom. You ever crave something? I've told this story, I told it in first service. Um, that feels good to say baller, doesn't it, guys? <laughs> I told the first service, I said, man, when I was about 16, 17 years old, I was going to a restaurant to eat at, for the school function. And I ain't going to say the name of the restaurant, but I'm just going to say this, they serve steak and shakes. I I ain't picking on nobody. So I get there. I sit my little 16-year-old self down, my 110-pound frame, <laughs> five foot six, 16 years old, 110 pounds. Sit down in that booth, and the waitress comes up. She goes, hey, what can I get you? Or, do you want a menu? And I was like, no, I don't need a menu. 
I'd never eaten at this particular restaurant that serves steaks and shakes. And, um, and I said, I said, yep, I know what I want. She goes, you know what, you, you've been here? I said, never been here, but I know what I want. She goes, what do you want? I said, I want a steak and a shake. And she said, oh, I'm sorry, we don't serve steak, it's steak burgers. And I said, I'm just saying your sign's not true then. <laughs> because the sign insinuates that you serve something called steak and, and yet it's not I'm confused by what kind of restaurant. <laughs> the problem was I was craving steak. I told myself all week long that's what I need. So you know what I had for, for lunch or dinner or whatever it was? A steak burger. No, I didn't have a steak burger. Forget that mess. I had chili and a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I was craving something that wasn't on the menu. I feel like I could preach again about a hidden menu called the kingdom of God. And your, your spirit is craving some stuff, but you don't see it on the menu and you don't know the cook and you're going, God, why, why do all I get is depression? And, and why do all I get is anxiety? Even when I'm trying to do good, I struggle with stress and anxiety. And in this moment, God goes, stop. Remember the secret menu? The faith called the kingdom of God? And seek that. Crave that stuff. What it Crave the king's dominion in your life. Look at what verse 32 says. He says, fear not, little flock. And I just love that he calls them little flock. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Because there could have been 400 people. Could have been 4,000 people in the room. We don't know. I don't know how many was there. I don't know. But he says, little flock. Because see, God is never impressed by how big we are, how many gather, how many services we have, how many campuses we have. None of that is impressive to Him. He's about a relationship, an intimate walk with you, right? Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. Notice what it says and what it doesn't say. Notice it says, fear not. But nowhere did it say there wouldn't be scary situations. Notice he didn't say, hey, chill out. There ain't going to be any tough times in your life. Hey, fear not. You ain't going to have any uh, stressful or scary situations. He never said that. He never said that we were going to be void of hardship. Matter of fact, Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, you will face trouble. But take heart, have peace and comfort. I overcame the world for you. Notice he says, fear not. He's saying, you're going to be in scary and uncomfortable and controversial situations. And they may cause you this, they may cause an emotion called fear to rise up. But he says, listen, I need you not to allow your current predicament, predicament to dictate your next step. I need you not to allow your current emotional baggage or state to stop you from going to where I have for you to go. No struggle that you face today can hold your future hostage fear not I know it feels like the world's gonna end but fear not quit getting ahead of me I never said date that person so if I never said date them you may have to break up with them fear not I got walk in step with me I know where I'm going I know where I'm going and I got your best in mind fear not trust me it doesn't make sense I know all the times fear not it doesn't mean it won't be scary it means that we don't have to choose fear it's a focus problem. It's not a faith problem. It's a focus problem. Matter of fact, it says in Colossians 
It says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. That word rule, you know what it means? It means to be a referee. To call stuff out of bounds. So when I'm living my life, and anxiety and a, and a thought that goes against God's word tries to cre creep in my mind and the word says to take every thought captive and allow the peace of God to rule in my life so when a thought that says you're never going to make it stops, uh, creeps into my mind you know what all of a sudden peace that's within me from the kingdom of God he blows his whistle and throws his flag and he says that's encroachment five yard penalty you're going to advance without having to run a play and whenever sickness tries to come in and interfere with the work that God has for you to do and the things he's called you to do and conflict and, and controversy they conflict you and they attack you peace of God will throw his flag and say that's an interference come on church that's an interference 15 yard penalty first and 10 I love the fact that the peace of God gets to referee my life and can I tell you the peace of God isn't a fair referee he'll ruin your favor every time Come on. That's what it means. Allow the, the referee of heaven to say, I know what's best for you. Trust me. I know it doesn't make sense, but crave me. I'll not lay anything ill-fitting on you. I'll show you how to live freely and lightly. Notice he goes on to say, it's the Father's good pleasure. Benny, my, my youngest, is three and uh, some kids are happy when they wake up and some kids are crappy when they wake up. <laughs> Anybody with, knows what I'm saying with kids. Like I got some happy ones and then I got Benny. Benny is rarely happy. Like if it's a happy day, we're like, it's gonna be a good day. Cause he wakes up, so he walks in, he had to get up early. Early for, he likes to get up about 11. Had to get up early to be at first service. He walks in the, the office over there and he's, he's hangry, he's tired, and he is mean mugging everybody in the room. All the worship team's like, hey, Benny, how are you? And he's like, I'll cut your throat. <laughs> if he knew what that was, he's like, don't even talk to me. I don't wanna talk to you. He's giving them this look, I don't care. I, I said, Benny, you want a donut? He went, yeah. <laughs> it's my good pleasure. I'm his dad and I love him. And it's my good pleasure to bring him something that would satisfy. But sometimes as we're walking and step, come here, Chloe, you're gonna love this. She hates me. As, as I'm walking, um, not so much with Chloe anymore because she's a big girl now, just turned 12. Gosh, you're so big. As we're walking in the parking lot, when I'm walking with Benny and Briley, I make them hold my hand. You know why? Because they don't have a concept that a truck could run them over and kill them. Now Chloe's 12, she gets a little more. But with the with the I, I make Chloe hold my hand just to embarrass her. Come on, daddies, you know. But my younger ones, I make them hold my hand and, and they don't want to hold, they don't want to because they Benny thinks he's a big boy. And I'm like, Benny, you need to trust me. Because the thing is, you don't understand it, but I will let nothing happen to you when you're holding my hand. When he goes to fall, guess what I do? You know, the three-year-olds, you pick them up by their arm till they get their feet again. And they're like Flintstone in the air. Now there comes to a place with Chloe that she's learned to walk in step with me. I don't have to touch her. I don't have to hold her hand or hold her arm. And she's just learned that she can trust daddy's steps. She can trust daddy's leadership, even if it doesn't make full sense to her. This is our progress with God. 
We come through seasons when he, when he puts his arm around us. We come through seasons where he literally holds us up. She thought I was going to tickle her armpit. <laughs> and we come through seasons where we build trust, where we build trust in. And we can walk together and walk in rhythm without ever saying a word. That's the kingdom of God. She can look at a, we could be driving in the Jeep, and she can look at something. I'm like, oh, you want some ice cream? Because we've learned to walk in rhythm through relationship. That's what God wants to do in your life. He says, it's his good pleasure to give you stuff that can blow your mind. In 33, he goes on to say, sell what you got and give it to the poor. Give it to the poor. Right? Put, your, put your, your focus, provide yourselves money bags that don't grow old and treasure in heaven that doesn't fail where no thief approaches and no moth or even rust destroy. Is he saying you got to sell everything you have? No. He's saying, is he saying that you can't have nice things? No. He's saying nice things can't have you. Someday I'm going to have a 1967-ish fastback Mustang and I'm going to drive it too fast. I'm going to own it. I'm just going to try to keep under the speed limit. Right? I want one. I want one. And I think God wants me to have one. Ain't nobody amen in me. Grow your faith, church. But here's the thing. It's okay if I don't. Because we confuse happiness and joy. We think happiness is when we get the G. And it is true. Like, people say money can't buy happiness. No, it can. You buy me the 67 fast bag, you're going to see your pastor be happy. But it don't bring joy. Happiness is because of your situation, and joy is regardless of your situation. So here's the thing. I love Jeeps. I have a Jeep. People say, man, Pastor, that's a nice Jeep. How you do that Jeep? And here's the truth. I gave a Jeep away. And I'm thankful for the nice trucks that I've had, but I've also gave nice trucks away, fully loaded. And I'm thankful for cool cars I've had, but I've also, my wife, we've given these things away. I'm not saying that boastfully. I'm saying it to a place that we understand that my treasure isn't in what kind of transportation I have. My, my treasure is in the kingdom of heaven. And who in the world gets to be introduced to the king of kings? Now, I'm thankful for nice transportation, but it ain't my treasure. So God's saying, look, you can have nice stuff, but don't let it control your life. Because then you have a focus problem, which leads to confusion on faith problems. You can have nice stuff, but they can't have you. That's what he's saying, right? Happiness is because your situation and joy is regardless of it, right? Verse 34, let's read this, and then I'll bring this. We'll land this plane, hopefully without turbulence. When, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart's at. Where your focus is, where, where, you, where, your, where, your, where your treasure is, that, that, that's, that's where your heart is. That's where your heart is. So it, no confusion. Like, you should have nice things. That's part of the kingdom of God. But you should also, if God says do or go, you should do or go. Understanding that anxiety and stress and striving, they're all part of what everyone in society does. 
And he has this new model that Jesus is teaching here. This new model that says, so instead of craving what everyone else craves, crave the kingdom of God. Crave God's dominion. Because at some point in your life, church, a stress is going to come knocking on your door. Can I tell you what I do? I don't got to figure it out. But when stress comes knocking on my door, I go ahead and I call the king. Come on, somebody. And I say, king, I need you to answer the door because I don't want to talk to stress no more. And, and the truth is, when sickness tries to show up in my life, I go to the king. And when depression shows up, I run to the king. And when anxiety makes it hard to breathe, I spend some time with the king. And can I tell you, when confusion and I don't know what to do for the church shows up, I go to the king because I'm beginning to understand when the king comes, so does the kingdom. And when the kingdom comes, there's peace, there's hope, there's healing, there's, a, there's freedom, there's deliverance, there's provision. When the kingdom comes, we get all things pertaining to life. If you're in the house today, I need you to get on your feet and declare the king is among us. The king of kings, the lord of lords. The king is among us. six-year-old that loves movies and uh, she loves to watch movies we watch movies a lot just in, when it's bedtime we're just chilling and uh, but it's frustrating to me that unless it's like sunshine and there's 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 people like jump roping and everything is great if there's any kind of stress in the situation at all her head is like smashed against you, blankets, pillows, whatever is close by, like any kind of like scary moment. Like we were watching The Shack last night, The Shack. And she couldn't watch the TV because she's like, I don't even know what's gonna happen. I can't watch it. What, 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 like this is terrible. And I'm like, you're gonna miss the show. Like, you're gonna miss, like why? I get mad. I'm like, I'm shutting it off. Like we're not watching this. this is, well, open your eyes. And she's like, no. I, I, what happened? I don't know. I don't know. And it got me thinking while I was sitting there. That's exactly what we do with God. Like, exactly what we do. He says, listen, I've got a plan for you. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I've got all these plans. Man, I've got ministries in mind for you. I've got visions in mind for you. You're like, yes, God, yes, God, let's do this thing. And then he says, okay, but the first thing I need you to do is take a step. And you're like, oh, God, I can't look. What's going to happen? And he said, 
listen, you know who I am. You have, you have learned to walk with me in the rhythms. You're working with me. I have the best for you. So why are you hiding your head? Why are you letting the stress and the anxiety take over the provisions that I have for you? Why are you letting these, why are you hiding your face and, and, and worrying about stuff that doesn't, hasn't even happened yet? So much of my life has been about worrying about things that haven't happened and are never going to happen, but in my mind they might. When God says, I've got it, I've got it. Walk with me, move with me, let's do this thing. Today, maybe he is calling out to you and it's your first time ever accepting him as personal Lord and Savior. Maybe it's your third time or your 30th time. I don't know, but he is, he's, your heart is pumping and he's saying, and you have, you've had the, the covers over your head because he's called you and he's called you son and daughter and prayer team, you can help me. And you've, you've, you've hidden in the background, but today you're saying no more. I'm gonna watch the movie. I'm gonna run the race that you placed before me and you want a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, lift your hand really proud right now. I don't want you to hide the fact that God is moving in a new way right now. Lift your hand. If that's you, right where you are, you don't necessarily have to move right this moment, but just lift your hand. Thank you. You're not alone now. You're not alone. So now you have someone to come up with. So I want you, anybody else in the house this morning? I'm going to ask you to be bold. Can you come up and let somebody pray for you? Because that's why we're here. We're, we're a church. We're a family. Amen. The rest of us, maybe God has placed today in your life because anxiety and stress overcome you. It's overwhelming to you. And maybe today, maybe today you've been gathered here because God wanted you to know that if you call him Lord, the kingdom walks with you. You have authority over things in your life, over situations in your life. You don't have to hide and stress and worry because God has you. And if, if you're like me sometimes and I get that way, I'm gonna just ask you to lift your hand as I pray for you this morning. Ready? If that's you, lift your hand, let's pray. God, I thank you for the opportunity to hear your word today not only hear it, but realize you're on my side. You're on my team. God, you love me. You never leave me nor forsake me. God, I, the things in life that I don't quite understand, but you have a hold of my hand the entire time. Jesus, help us walk this race that you've called us to. God, help us to let the blanket and the pillow down and just focus on your calling and focus on what you're doing in our lives in the present. Jesus, use us in mighty ways that we could never even imagine as we take the first step of opening our eyes and letting the kingdom join our lives. celebrate what God done this morning in these lives really quick. We can get a little bit louder. If we can holler for the chiefs, we can holler for the kingdom that's come down right here and right now. Amen.